This is Speak Earth. I'm Case Bradford. Thanks for tuning in to this episode with Charles Mayfield. I had a great time jamming with Charles. I learned a lot from him. He's very knowledgeable and passionate about regenerative farming, skincare, and his company, Faro Skincare, which is found on the web at faro.life. So Faro is revolutionizing the skincare industry. And in this conversation, you'll learn how and why. It's fascinating. Most people are completely unaware of how shady the skincare industry is. And it's amazing that we have a tool available for us that comes from the regenerative farming system, namely lard, which is pig fat, and also tallow, which is cow fat. So you may be unfamiliar with these two fats, in skincare, you may not even be cooking with these fats. Most people aren't. Hopefully you are because they are very nutrient dense for our body inside and out, which is the amazing part. And a lot of what blew my mind in this conversation is the way that the existing skincare industry is harming us and how Charles and Pharaoh Skincare are changing that. They're offering a much more nourishing skincare product for your skin and for the land. And if you're in a pinch, you can even eat it. That's how nutrient-dense and how nourishing and how synergistic this product is. If you wouldn't put it in your mouth, don't put it on your skin. That's a strong principle. And this product works perfectly within that principle of skincare. As Charles says, the lard works in mysterious ways. I appreciate you tuning in and I hope you enjoy this episode with Charles Mayfield, founder of Pharaoh Skincare. How's it going? Case, it's going great, man. How are you? I'm doing well. Glad that you could join me today. We're in different parts of the country. It's the beauty of the internet here being brought together. You're doing a lot of fascinating things in the skincare industry with, and I'm sure we'll, we'll dive all into that before I, I get ahead of myself here, ahead of my skis. It's a, it's, it's a pleasure to be with you. Great to connect and, and looking forward to the, the conversation ahead. Yeah, absolutely, man. I, this uh, technology is amazing. It's, it's It allows people to come together and talk about cool stuff and We'll get into it, but I'm sort of a one-man show right now with Pharaoh, and so having to not get on a plane and go halfway around the world to talk about what we're doing and all of that is is quite convenient. It is the message. The message will, will spread, and and what you're doing is is different. It's it's definitely different, and and it's something that has been new for me this past year. The concept of using animal fats as skincare. It's, it's really been a big part of the holistic health world, I guess, if you want to call it that, it, you know, the regenerative agriculture space. It's got a lot of crossovers using um, pig fat known as lard or beef fat known as tallow. Both of these I see coming up as excellent ways to treat the skin. And you're you're a big part in that. Now you, you've got a story in, in the way that you came across this. What what have you made of it all? And, you know, in your mind, being being a big part of this, this transition unfolding? Well, you know, Case, I've got <clears throat> I've got about 15 years experience in the health and nutrition world. I, I, I came to it sort of through the CrossFit community. This is circa 2008, nine ish. And so was certainly on the East Coast was a fairly early adopter of, of the CrossFit scene, uh, had a, an amazing and unbelievable pleasure to meet a guy by the name of Rob Wolf very early on in my uh, CrossFitting days, and just sort of plugged me into nutrition and and uh, co-authored a number of paleo cookbooks. And you know, it's um, 
I, I see so many, I, I would have never thought this, but I, I see so, so many similarities between the food industry and the skincare industry. Now, um, I, I had a rather interesting event. Uh, uh, I talk, talk about this on the website, but um, what, what got my, I call it my paleo lens. And so <laughs> everyone, everyone sort of heard the term, if, you, if it doesn't spoil, you shouldn't eat it. Or if, uh, if you can't pronounce the ingredients, you probably shouldn't eat it. And, you know, a lot of people don't understand that our, our skin is, A, it's our largest organ, and B, it, it's called our second stomach. It, it consumes things. And so not only is our food supply system, uh, you know, dominated by a handful of mega corporations that are making uh, Franken foods that are highly palatable and super addictive and devoid of nutrients, the skincare industry is very much similar. And I, I, uh, I had this sort of watershed moment in 2019 with a sunburn and the lard. So, so just, just, just to let you know, I think I'm the first lard guy on the market. Um, (laughs) I've looked around, there's maybe like an Etsy page or two, uh, with lard, but the, the predominant uh, fat du jour in the what I would call animal-based uh, skincare market is tallow, beef tallow. You're starting to see uh, some bison tallows and various other ruminant species, but but the the market is dominated by by ruminant visceral fat, and we can sort of get into that in a minute. But yeah, lard is we say the lard works in mysterious ways. Uh, it does, and we can sort of talk about you know, why that is, but yeah, the, the skincare industry in, in many ways is actually worse, uh, from, from a human health standpoint. Uh, I think a lot of that's driven by the disassociation between putting something in our mouth versus putting on our skin. You know, we, we, we hold, uh, the consumption through, uh, our gastrointestinal tract. We hold that to a higher standard in terms of, product safety or whatever, you know, consumer testing, skincare, not so much. I, you know, there's, again, it's, there's, there's something amiss with, with regards to our understanding, not only, and this is really big, but not only of our skin's ability to consume things, but also the, you know, trillions of micro microorganisms that inhabit our skin, um, and, and and the role, I mean, again, the, the, the human microbiome is, is is a very, very cutting edge frontier. We know more about space than we do the microbiome. I, I'm optimistic. There's a lot, there's a global microbiome project going on right now, which is, uh, which, which is wonderful. Uh, who knows what we're going to learn, but, but the point is we, we know very little about these bugs and, and, and the, impactful role they play in, in, in human thriving. And so, so yeah, that's, that's, uh, I, I get, I get a little far afield from time to time. So you may have to wrangle me back, but, uh, but yeah, it's the, the consumer protection in skincare is, is just absurd. Uh, it's better to call it lack of consumer protection. And, um, yeah, so had this moment in 2019 and, Started tinkering in the kitchen. I have a background in cooking with the cookbooks and farming. I, I, I moved back home to uh, East Tennessee in 2016 to 
get into some small micro uh, scaled regenerative farming. And so Faro, our skincare company, is really sort of an amalgamation of you know healthy eating, healthy lifestyle, uh, preservative free living, uh, regenerative ag, you know, building soil versus depleting it. And sort of all those things coalesced together and we, we launched a little over a year ago. Uh, Faro Skincare launched in January of, of, of 22. And here we are. Awesome. And we have certainly some overlap here. Rob Wolf changed my life as well back in 2011-ish. That was when I first heard about paleo and I removed a lot of the processed grains and the seed oils from my eating patterns. And I experienced this amazing alleviation of anxiety and depression. And I had had acne pretty much my entire adult life up to that point, about a decade, and just pretty much went away, uh, not overnight, but over time. And it, it was a relatively short transition. And growing up with pimples and acne, it was something where I was just, I didn't understand that was rooted in my digestive system. That idea just wasn't ever presented to me either. It, and I used all kinds of different, you know, skincare products, just like these strange drugs really had no conception that my skin was basically consuming these things into my body either. And, and none of it helped. It was just a waste of money, waste of time. A lot of times it made things worse. And I think a lot of people, anyone listening who's been through that, I'm sure can resonate with it because that's, I don't think they have any incentive to like really heal or cure the skin. And if you're not doing anything at a root level, it's not going to, you know, it's, it's not going to fix anything anyway. So it's, it's really amazing to see that now we have this new option that is one on one hand amazing for the skin as an organ for the whole body as an extension of that organ and for the earth that that you're sourcing it from it's it's regenerating and, and taking care of the land of the soil of of the people that create it not through some very strange factory you know likely in a far off land where the working conditions probably aren't great and who knows where they're getting those source materials from probably petroleum derived if if I were to guess and for, on some level so it's it's amazing the work the work that you're doing so I, I commend you for that and and uh, sharing it with the world it's awesome yeah case I you know we I market my products predominant well. If you market anything, you're marketing to women. Uh, you know, they make like 80, 85% of the purchasing decisions. Um, we've got actually, I just got the, uh, I just got the test uh, run in. We've got a new product we're going to hopefully be launching around uh, KetoCon this year. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I'm marketing to, to women, Mo moms. Um, hopefully moms are buying it for their significant others. And, but, but I will tell you, the most heartwarming uh, stories I get, I, I've had a handful of these, mostly close friends, but um, you brought up like acne and I've got like a, a young girl that's six or seven, childhood eczema, like everywhere. I've had, I've had two eczemas, um, an acne and, um, oh, what was the other one? I forget. But but these are these are young kids, and, and you know I, my my children are eight and ten now. Um, they they've uh, voluntarily and involuntarily sort of been along for the ride this whole time, and are early testers. But man, when when you when you have a six or seven year old girl, you know who's who's gonna eventually be a teenager, and you think about how mean kids are and how embarrassing things like you know 
eczema or acne can be to a young kid. You know, I had acne as a kid and just, just to be able to provide them an all natural, you know, uh, solution that, that works, that works is, I, you know, it's hard to find a more motivating, uh, muse or, or, or underlying (laughs) motivation to do this, you know, so like the acne creams, it, I'm still trying to figure this out, but I, I'm not here bemoaning um, active ingredients in skincare, you know, especially from a prescriptive standpoint. You know, I, 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 I will hold on to a little bit of promise that, you know, dermatologists, you know, recommending this active ingredient for your particular skin condition actually know what they're talking about. The problem, the problem with the skincare and this is the problem you see across the board is it's the carrier cream, right? So think about a bland carrier cream that's an emulsification of a water and probably a cheap, crappy seed oil or, or you know, petroleum derivative, but it's a, a fat at the end of the day. Well, uh, this was my own experience. So I had this watershed moment with the lard. And so you know, my early recipes of for Pharaoh were, well, how do you do it? Well, you go to Google and you DIY skin cream and it's, well, you, you take 75% by volume water and you heat it to this temperature and you take 20% fat and you heat it to this temperature and then you get an emulsifier and you make a cream. Great. Okay. So away I go making these creams and they were luscious. I mean, they were just so unbelievably luscious until they went rancid in about 10 days. Huh. Okay. So, you know, I tried various antimicrobial essential oils. You know, I'm not a chemist. I'm not, I'm not a lot of things. And I could never, I could never get these creams to stay shelf stable for longer than like two weeks. I mean, putting them in the fridge, all sorts of stuff. They would just go rancid. Here's the point. In a, uh, in a cream that you've emulsified water and fat together, this, this water acts as a food source for mold and bacteria. And so you take your standard run-of-the-mill pharmaceutical grade goop that they inject some active ingredient into for your acne or chelitis or psoriasis or whatever. The problem it is probably not the active ingredient. The problem is all the preservatives and chemicals that have to also be put in the cream to keep that bacteria and mold from developing. And, you know, I said this early on, we know next to nothing about the microbiome on our skin and in our guts and the role that it plays in human thriving. But, you know, you know this, and and, and I hope your listeners know this, you know, intuitively, those bugs are there for a reason. If they weren't, they wouldn't be there. And so in the case of these crap creams, it, you know, my standard rule is if it has water as the first ingredient, which is most creams, you shouldn't use it because there are chemicals in there in the, in that cream, keeping bacteria from growing, which means the minute you spread it on your skin, you're effectively napalming your skin's microbiome, Right. And so, yeah, that's, but it's the, it's the kids, man. When, when, when I get a, when I get a story about a kid that's all of a sudden, miraculously, my 
my chronic acne or my eczema or whatever is is gone, uh, it, it just warms my heart, man. Yeah, and it is it is a big deal. I I know if I had had some solution available like this when I was struggling with it, and it and it's it's interesting to talk about because on some level I think there's there's this thought that it's sort of like unavoidable. It's just a part of growing up, but I don't think that is it. It is at all. It's a, you know it's a symptom of, of a, a root level, and there are ways to treat it. On, on the other hand, we've got this general idea, this perception of the skin as like the wall of a house, and then there's not a perception to the fact that like this is your your second stomach and you know your third brain in a way in a way your skin is is it's equally as important as as your your brain and and as your you just can't taste what you're putting on there it's still ending up in the bloodstream so we can even think about something like sunscreen for example grateful to be living near the beach and, and every time i go down there there's someone just spraying sunscreen on themselves and it's just going down when you smelling it or they're just rubbing all this sun cream in themselves and i'm just thinking they, people have, this this is a, a big mind-blowing thing for a lot of people who have not encountered the idea that 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 is not good on you know on, on a really deep level you're absorbing the chemicals from that into the skin and, and just like the creams and the lotions that you're mentioning that I think a lot of people are using for dry skin or various conditions. The same thing is, is true for sunscreen as well. For anyone listening, these, these, all these strange, bizarre chemicals that you read that you can't pronounce, you know, no idea what they are. They're ending up in your skin and your body adding to the toxic load. So I, I know that the lard based skin cream is also great for treating any sort of rash that comes from sun exposure or even a burn if you happen to sustain something like that. So there are uses for this for pretty much everybody. Well, yeah. So my, my watershed moment was I got, I got the worst sunburn I'd probably had. So I'm 40, I just turned 49 years old. I'll tell you, I'll tell you two things. One is I, I could, I can close my eyes still and I can smell the Panama Jack sun tanning oil that my father would just lather himself with the sun tanning oil, right? Not, not, not super high SPF. So Panama Jack had a number four, six, eight, 10, and 12. And the lower the number is the darker you wanted to be, right? We had this, we had this fascination with, uh, with tanning now and I can still smell it to this day, right? So, uh, you know, Look around now, you know, we got SPF 70 and, and, and so as the sun protection factor has precipitously gone up, so have incidents of skin cancer, which is, which is fascinating to think about. But, you know, again, back to this hypothesizing about the microbiome, let's just say that our skin is inhabited by a thin veneer, right? Of bacteria and bugs, just, you know, on a microscopic level. If the sunscreen that you're lathering on your skin, uh, first and foremost, is full of preservatives and chemicals, but secondarily, those preservatives and chemicals kill your microbiome. So I, I'm sure there's an SPF. I'm sure there's a you know sun protection factor that's 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 in there, but you're also killing this veneer layer of of bugs, right? Then you've got. Uh, and I think it's important to talk about for your listener. So when it comes to skin conditions, you've sort of got two sides of a coin. You've got acute skin conditions, right? And we'll we'll call poison ivy, sunburn, um, 
you could you could make the argument acne in some scenarios, um, you know, cuts, bruises, bangs, uh, rashes, things of that nature. Those are generally acute stuff. You know, they're here and they're gone. And then on the other side of the coin, you've got chronic issues and and you know, eczema as an example. You know, the 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 stuff that pops up on your skin when you have eczema or psoriasis or any of these other conditions is really driven by an underland, underlying dietary problem. Um, you know, this is, we, we keep talking about acne. I don't know that acne is, is, is avoidable uh, as, a, as a teenager, right? I, I, I would want to be growing and maturing so fast that, you know, my, my pores got a little out of control, right? But, but um, ha- having said that, and I tell people this, you know, a lot of the chronic skin conditions really have to be tackled from both sides, right? You've really got to address some underlying dietary problems, which coincidentally are probably in some many, in, in some in many ways linked to the preservatives in food, right? Because we, we, we've got this gut dysbiosis and small bacterial overgrowth and gut permeability and all these various things that are really driving the autoimmune uh, spectrum of, of illnesses that we're dealing with now. And, and, and all of these chronic skin conditions, the vast majority of them fall under this umbrella of sort of autoimmune response. And so, you know, in the case of like an eczema with this, this girl as a friend, a daughter of a buddy of mine, she, you know, they're addressing, they're addressing the underlying issues as it relates to what she puts in her mouth. And also, you know, Pharaoh has provided her a, a tremendous relief, you know, from the outside in. And, um, I, you know, I tell people all the time, you know, our creams are, are fantastic for two reasons. One is what we put in them. And we can talk about why the lard works in mysterious ways. But, but as important, as important is what's not in them, right? Because so... So, in 1938, the Food and Cosmetics Act was written. Okay, 1938. This is pre-World War II. You know, the, the chemical and industrial petroleum industry was really in its infant stages. You know, we knew how to make diesel, and we, and we knew how to make, you know, gasoline. Uh, it was 1938. And the only ingredients in the Food and Cosmetics Act related to skincare that required pre-market safety testing were color additives. Okay. So if you, if you added a color to a product, you had, you were required by the FCA, which is sort of precursor part of the FDA, you know, this, this was an act, but anyway, so if you, if you added a color to something, soap, cream, um, hair dye, whatever, it, it had to be tested. So, okay, fair enough. Fast forward to the mid-70s, they update the act, right? And this is, I think this is probably even sort of some of the precursors to um, a lot of the food labeling that we have now and various other things. But in, in that update, they excluded cosmetics from the update. So if you think about all of various compounds and chemicals and petroleum derivatives that in the last 85 years 
we have learned to make or learned to extract that are that are now present in our consumer products environment that did not exist not, not couldn't even have even thought about them you know 85 years ago and so you know it's it's really it's really one of these cases where you know the the the, the fox is guarding the hen house it's like so what are they testing these products for? I, I love this one. You, you know the label, uh, animal cruelty-free. Animal cruelty-free. That is a label that they will stamp on on a skincare product. What does that mean? It means that they didn't test that product on animals. Okay? It, you know, so I, I don't even know what that... I mean, if, if, um, if they're making a product today... I, I, it's fun seeing you laugh because it's just, it's, it, it, it makes me laugh and cry at the same time. But if, it, so if they're coming out with a new skincare product today, where, where, where are the incentives, right? You always have to look at incentives, right? The incentive is, let me test this product to make sure it doesn't hurt you. You, fo- you follow that logic? I got to make sure this product's not going to hurt you. Doesn't matter what I want it to do. I just got to make sure that it doesn't hurt you. And then I can, you know, I can jockey around the data and we can run some double blind placebos and we can get a couple of Hollywood starlets to, you know, pretend that they actually use our product and pay them a gazillion freaking dollars. And now we've got a product and we can, we, we know this product doesn't air quotes hurt you because we sort of tested it, Right. How about inverting that? And let's make sure we're developing a product that helps you, right? And, you know, again, look at the label. (laughs) If the first ingredient is water, then there's going to be at least 30 more ingredients after that. You can't pronounce half of them. You know, the other half of them, you have no idea what they are. They throw in an occasional, like, cacao-derived blah, blah, blah. And here's a question for you, Case. What are those ingredients for? Right? If you look at our you look at our uh, skin food product, our unscented skin food product. We have a we have three products right now. We have a, a a CBD elixir that's a sublingual, take it through the mouth and it helps I tell people it sort of helps your skin from the inside out. Then we have a face food product which is neck up and a skin food product that's next down. Scented and unscented no such there's no such thing as odorless cream when you're using animal fat right so we have a scented and an unscented our unscented product i'll go I'll, i've got the ingredients memorized it's lard tallow leaf lard and honey and people people okay so ask me that question like so what are those for right okay well the lard and the leaf lard and the tallow are animal fats um, that, that, that you're, you're, we're an animal. This is, oh, I love this one. So, so the, so the skincare industry is dominated by plant fats and, and, and seed oils, right? That's, if you look at the fat side of the equation on their formula, it's, it's dominated by those three things. Now, now I'm not here to begrudge coconut oil or shea butter or any of these other, you know, holistic, all natural remedies for your skin. But damn it, man, at the end of the day, we're an animal. And 
you know, we're, we're an animal and we're an animal that's, that's biologically extremely similar to pigs. So we'll, we'll talk about the, the, the lard in a minute, but the, the idea that we've gotten to this place now where plant-based fats, uh, mostly seed oil based fats, uh, have somehow risen above and beyond, uh, the effectiveness of animal fats on an animal is beyond me. It's an incredibly bizarre place that we're in because we're, we're just touching on this like one little micro aspect of our industrial sort of economic system, the skincare industry. And it's incredibly bizarre. Where you just covered it beautifully where there's these precautions and this like nice little bunny, the certified seal of like animal cruelty free. And, you, and which leads you to think, so they're testing these on animals to see like what happens to them and, and, and they're not getting hurt, but like, what's their definition of hurt? How long are they running these tests? And we're not, you know, we're not monkeys. We're not bunnies. We're, you know, homo sapiens with all this other stuff going on. And here we have this incredibly nourishing healing solution that by the way, works incredibly well, especially for something like dry skin. It's incredible for dry oh. skin. Like it, if you haven't tried this, listener, please do yourself a favor and try it because it will blow your mind if you've ever had dry skin. Everyone's had dry skin at some point. You take a long, hot shower, you come out, your skin's dry. It's just what happens. You put this stuff on your skin and you wake up in the morning and it's just nourished. It's supple. It's, it's like back to normal, better than it was before. It's, it's, it's completely mind-blowing. So, so, yeah, you take that long, hot shower, you, you, you cover your skin in water, right? And then you get out and you dry off and your skin's dry. So every single one of your listeners will know exactly what I'm about to say. So because every, everybody has smeared on, I don't care if it's sunscreen, moisturizer, I don't care. But everyone's smeared, lathered something on their skin, right? And, and you know the, the shtick, right? It comes out as a liquid. You spread it on. And then in like magically in a few minutes or, or less, it's dry. Okay? Everyone thinks, oh, it just soaked into my skin. My skin just absorbed this. No. The 75% water that was in that cream just evaporated. Oh, and by the way, that evaporative process also grabbed a hold of some of the moisture in your skin and brought it along for the ride. So, you know, again, the, the similarities between the diet food industry and the skin, it's so crazy. Like the diet industry, you know, you know this case. The diet industry is built on failure, right? Try this for 30 days, do this for 60 days, and you'll lose all this weight. And then you just go right back to what you were doing before and call us in nine months when you've gained 10 more pounds than you had before. And we've got the solution for you. Skincare is no different. The, the I mean, dude, it's, it's so frustrating to me. Um, you know, I've got this, I've got this paleo lens from, you know, 10 or 15 years in that sort of universe. And when I shined that lens over on skincare, it was like, holy shit, they're playing the same Silly game. Let me sell you this, you know, highly marketed, highly processed, highly full of junk cream that is perpetually drying and cracking your skin out so that you you constantly need more and more and more of my product. 
Um, it's it's laughable. It's really laughable. I so <laughs> I t- I say this all the time. No one's been using lard on their skin longer than me, right? I've been I started tinkering with this stuff three years ago. Coming up on four years now. Case I I need less of my product now than I did, you know, two or three years ago. Now that's you, you, one one might argue that it's not a great business model, right? That my product is so good for your skin that you over time need less and less of it. I that's fine, right? Because there's plenty of people, you know, here in the U.S. of A. that 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 need to see how the lard works in mysterious ways. But but what does that say about the product that you need less and less of it? Tells me it works. Yeah, that's man, that's that's powerful. And, and you know what I um. Just to kind of circle back a little bit on that root level nourishment, um, those four ingredients that you mentioned, tallow, lard, leaf lard, honey, all nourishing foods. It sounds like you could actually eat that skin cream if you were in a pinch or use use it to cook with. Uh, So let's see. We got a two, two, two ounce skin food. Okay. So we have a two ounce cream. So, okay. So four tablespoons. So... Each jar of, of skin food, scented or unscented, is 400 calories of emergency nourishment if, <laughs> if uh, somehow you're starving and skincare becomes less important. Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, again, if you can't eat it, if it doesn't spoil, this is another one. Like, if it doesn't spoil, you shouldn't eat it. Well, hell, if it doesn't spoil, you probably shouldn't, although, although, you know, just fat, fat and, you know, honey will last into perpetuity. Uh, our, our creams, I tell people our creams, the shelf life on our creams is about six months. It's, it's way longer than that. But the, the reason I, the reason I tell people that is because if you buy our scented product, we use all natural organic essential oils. And so, and we make these batches sort of f- fresh and ship them as fresh as we can um, so over time, those essential oils, if, you know, if you open the jar and close the jar, they will diffuse, right? Just, just like essential oils will diffuse. And so I tell people that because if they buy a scented product and two or three months later, it's still sitting on their bathroom counter, there's a chance that it will not smell like sandalwood, lavender, and grapefruit. And that's okay. The, the, the super active ingredients are still in there and, and it's still incredibly nourishing. Cool. And so if anyone is, is traveling with these, it's uh, something you could snack on on the airplane, but then also use on your skin to make sure that altitude and, the, and all that traveling doesn't give you, you know, crazy itchy dry skin or, or uncomfortable cracked lips or, or what have you. And th- there was a, a question that came to my mind while you were describing the ingredients. I, I do know that many listeners will be familiar with tallow bomb because it has become much more popular over the past year. What, what is the reason for including lard in addition to the tallow? Why, why choose lard in your formulation? Great, great question. So a couple things, um, a, a quick fat lesson for your, for your listeners. So the human body, as well as ruminant species like a cow, as well as pigs have two basic types of fat, visceral fat and subcutaneous fat. And so for your listener, 
Think about the, f- the fat around the edge of like a New York strip steak or the fat in a uh, ribeye or something. That's, that's subcutaneous fat. Beef tallow is rendered from the kidney fat. So this is an internal fat uh, in, in the cow or the sheep or the bison, all ruminant species. The, the pig is the same way. So pigs have back fat, subcutaneous fat. Think bacon right? The fat in bacon is subcutaneous fat. And then they, they also, just like humans, have visceral fat, fat that is internal in the organs, whose, whose primary biological function, by the way, is padding, right? So think about our subcutaneous fat, our belly fat, you know, as a human, the, the primary function of, of subcutaneous fat is storage, Right. So we metabolize vitamin D from the sun. We store it in our subcutaneous fat. You know, we metabolize vitamins and minerals from our from our diet and from our environment. We store those in our fat. And, you know, if you're if you're into keto or any of these other things, you understand, you know, like the idea is you build up fat stores during the summer months. Right. When fruit is readily available and we can gorge ourselves on all these things, we fatten up for the winter. And we get all this sun and vitamin D, and we then we deplete those stores from our subcutaneous fat. Okay, visceral fat, which again on a ruminant species is is still visceral fat, but visceral fat's biological function is to protect and pad our organs. You know, you get a jarring blow or this, that, and the other from, you know, whatever. Uh, comes along contact sports or seatbelt in a car wreck or whatever, you know, it's, it's, it's nice to have some padding in there to protect our organs from, from injury. And so, yes, tallow is the preeminent fat in the, what I would call animal fat based skincare market. Okay. Ta- we, we raise a lot of beef in this country and because, because tallow is rendered from visceral fat, from a ruminant species, okay, there are protective measures in place that even in even in the case of like a um, a hormone injected or an antibiotic injected animal, there's there's less of a chance of those chemicals or environmental toxins getting stored in the visceral fat because the biological function is not storage. Does that make sense? It does. Okay. Okay. So everyone's familiar with tallow. Uh, if you've got a tallow bond, there's some great tallow uh, companies out there. Toots and Co is one I'm a big fan of. Van Man's another one. They're great, great companies. In fact, I think Van Man's on the West Coast. I think he's out there near you. Love that guy. Hilarious. So if you ever have a, a, a tallow bomb, even if it's whipped at room temperature, it's pretty hard. Like you've got to dig into it. That is the nature of a ruminant species rendered visceral fat. Okay. Now you jump over here to pigs. Okay. So what's different between a pig and a cow? Okay. Well, there's quite a bit different. For first and foremost, a pig is an omnivore, right? Not an herbivore or a ruminant. They're a monogastric animal, which is a good and a bad thing. And this is this is important. So uh, it's, it's, an, it's a monogastric omnivorous animal, which means it can eat almost anything. That's one of the nice things about pigs is they can, they can, they can thrive on a lot of different things. Having said that, um, they're a monogastric animal. So 
how they store, how they metabolize things. And, you know, again, for your listeners that don't understand how genetically similar pigs are to humans, they're so similar that we train our surgeons on them. Right. Did you know that? No. Okay. So, so, uh, we, we train our surgeons, their skin is so similar to ours and their organs are so similar to ours that if, if you're a training surgeon in our medical, medical juggernaut of an industry right now, there's a hundred percent chance that you are training on pigs. Wow. Pretty fascinating. And, and I'll go a step further. The biology between pigs and humans is actually so similar that we use pig organs. So I, I've got a good friend that's a heart surgeon, uh, Phil Ovedia. If you have, you should you should have Phil on your podcast. Um, he wrote a book, um, "Stay Off My Operating Table." He's a heart surgeon writing a book about metabolic health, and here's how you stay off my operating table. I, I've known Phil for a couple of years now, and I was on his podcast. I was like, Phil. Don't don't you use pig parts when you're fixing a human heart? He's like, man, I used a, the valve of a pig heart to fix a human heart two weeks ago. So the you know one of the things when we're transmitting or trans uh, transplanting when we're transplanting organs, you know, you need a kidney or you need a this or you need a that. You know this the idea. You know you you, you don't want um, uh, you don't want a rejection of the organ. Pigs are so close to humans that we can use their parts in us and it works. That is fascinating. That is fascinating. And that I did know because I'm, I'm a recipient of something like that. When I was born, they had to do something with my lungs. Oh, they collapsed and they, I got, so I'm part pig, man. <laughs> We're all part pig, brother. I have bacon about every week. We're all part pig. So, so, so here's the magic, right? Here's the magic. So pigs, th- th- this is the two sides to every coin, right? This is the, the great... And, and the awful of the pig, which, which to me tells, this is one of the reasons why I think no one's using lard or no one's tried to use lard, okay? Not all lards are created equal, okay? Monogastric animal, just like a human. So they are preferentially storing vitamins. They metabolize vitamin D from the sun mechanistically the exact same way we do right? Here's the problem. Like less than 1%, uh, might be like just under 2% of the pigs raised in this country ever see the sun. Again, they never see the sun. They're born in a house, they're raised in a house, they're killed in a house. Okay. So, and they're coincidentally, they're also raised in a house with like a thousand of their closest friends, you know, deplorable deplorable living environment, right? And again, this is the good and the bad of the pig. If you raise a pastured, happy, one bad day animal that gets to move around on pasture, you know, root, be a pig, right? A pig in a, in a house can't root. There's nothing to root. You know, this is one of, one of God's gifts to the pig is they love to root. And so if you raise a healthy, happy pig, they have metabolized the, the the trifecta of skincare A E and D that's your that's your trifecta in the skincare world so they have naturally metabolized and naturally stored natural vitamins and minerals in their fat okay then you then you jump over to pH pH is a huge issue with skincare right because um, think about this 
So we have a very highly adapted uh, emergency evacuation system in our gut. And everyone that's ever eaten something that doesn't agree with them understands this concept. It's coming out the North Tunnel or the South Tunnel really fast and hot, right? Right. Think like shitty Mexican food or something like that, right? We've got we've got a, a, a very fast acting evacuation system, right? For our for things that we eat, okay. Our skin has less of a of a um, emergency evacuation system, right? But pH, the pH of something is, is, is yet you got to think like in the natural world, in the natural world, there's like a handful of things our skin can come in contact with that chemically are going to jack us up. Poison ivy, just take poison ivy as an example. What happens? Well, you know, we get a, we get a little blistering, right? We get a gentle reminder Maybe stay away from that plant. If you throw into skincare now all of the artificial, manufactured crap that that we our skin is environmentally now being able to be exposed to, we don't have mechanisms necessarily in place to really be able to give us a warning. pH is that thing, right? And so all the skincare companies are out there. Again, add another chemical, add another chemical. We got to get the pH right. Well, lard is so unbelievably pH aligned with human biology. It just, the skin just sucks it in. I mean, it just, it, it literally eats it. Now, tallow, tallow is great. Again, I use tallow in my product. So we have, you, you've tried our product. It's creamy, right? Well, I wanted to create, I wanted to use lard, first of all, but I also wanted to use, I wanted to create a product that most closely resembled a cream. And so I I mentioned this earlier, you know, I I was doing these emulsifications of lard and water and lard and water and bacteria mold, bacteria mold. At some point, the light bulb went off. I was like, shit, I got to, I got to kill the water, right? Well, what am I going to put in there now? Because I don't want it to just be lard. I'm, and so I started playing with the tallow and, and so and, and then leaf lard. So leaf lard, leaf lard, you'll if you can, if, if you're a baker, right? If you if you read like a homesteader book from 100 years ago, leaf lard was the prized fat to bake with because remember, it's visceral fat. So it's padding the kidneys of the pig. So it's not storing, it's not storing environmental exposure. Okay. Again, that can be good or bad, but it's, but it's not doing that. So when you render leaf lard, it is for all intents and purposes, it is colorless and it's odorless. And so if you're baking a pie crust, you don't want your pie crust smelling like pig fat, right? So our face food uh, formula, right? We have a face food and a skin food. Our face food formula has predominantly more leaf lard in it than lard because it's up by the nose and people are funny about smelling certain things. And again, we don't have an odorless cream, but I was sort of doing my best to, I I actually love our unscented products. Very grounding. I, I like the sort of the natural scent, but, um, but anyway, that's, so there, there's a, there's a big old fat, a big old fat lesson, fat, fat lesson for your, for your listener. <laughs> that's, 
fascinating. That is that is deep, and and I was not aware of how important and different these various fats were. And I came away with a deeper understanding as to why one would want to use lard for, for skincare. The pH is going to be much more harmonious, meaning more of that cream that you spread on your skin will be absorbed by the skin and used to nourish and heal. It also will be more spreadable. The towel-based creams are a little hard. You kind of have to dig in at your finger and get a big chunk. So it's, it's going to be more creamy, more soft, more spreadable. And then it's also going to be more nutrient dense. You'll get more of the vitamins A, E, and D, if I remember those uh, three correctly, those, which will also play a role in nourishing and healing. So those three are going to be a big factor. And then the, the smell, it looks like the aroma, sounds like the aroma from the leaf lard, which is fascinating. Wasn't aware of that, that will also play, play a role as well. So those are big four factors as to why one would want to go with lard as opposed to tallow for, for their skincare uh, regimen. And uh, those are four powerful factors, four big Four big wins for lard in, in my book. But well, I, again, the the lard works in mysterious ways. I I, I want to I've I said this earlier, Case, and I I want to drive this point home. Not all lards are created equal. So if you if you go to our website or look on our product, we our, our products are made with smart lard, and I've I've trademarked smart lard. Uh, I did that uh, very intentionally, being that I was sort of the first guy on the block. Excuse me, I was the first guy on the block using lard. And, and again, because of the monogastric nature of pigs, because of uh, how they metabolize and, and store their environment uh, for better or for worse, you know, not all lards are created equal. And so, uh, and we haven't, we haven't touched on this, but real quick, so you got, you've got the, uh, you've got the pH balance, uh, right? You've got the naturally occurring uh, vitamins and minerals. And again, tallow. Uh, super high in vitamin A. Great. Awesome. Again, I use tallow in my products, but you know, you know, the, the skincare industry at large over here is using synthesized vitamin A, E, D, all that. It's all fake crap. Uh, similar to like fake protein. You know, our body doesn't metabolize, you know, plant-based proteins, you know, all the Beyond Burger uh, folks, I think are, have been in some hot water about, you know, marketing their the, the 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 protein available right because there's a different it, it, it can be in there but our bodies don't necessarily metabolize it as well as they would if that protein came through an, an animal based source similar with skincare right synthetic vitamins and minerals aren't nearly as uptaken by our body and so but the other piece to that too is the lip the the, the balance of uh, monounsaturated, polyunsaturated, and saturated fats. So the lipid profile of lard is a uh, is another spot on match to humans. Um, where was I going with this? You don't you don't get my product without raising a healthy, happy pig, right? And you know, absolutely, the grasslands and the cow and the and the herbivores are are incredible. Uh, uh, weapons against against soil erosion. They're weapons for building soil. So so are pigs. They're, they're they're a different animal, but they they're a they're absolutely a cog in the wheel of land healing and land nourishment uh, for a number of different reasons uh, that I can get into. You know, pigs pigs will do things that cows won't do, and and one thing that they do is root. 
you know, a cow's not gonna not gonna dig up dig up the uh, the the ground. Pigs are highly destructive. Well, destruction uh, again. There's two sides to that coin. Pigs can be they can massage the land. I love running pigs. Pigs like shade, right? And so we run the pigs along the edges and in the forested areas where they've got plenty of shade. Well, what else are they doing under there? Well, they're finding old roots and tubers and grubs, and they're they're turning that soil over uh, with you know with a four wheel drive backhoe is basically what they're doing. And you know they deposit all of their um, all of their feces and their urine, and so they're they're constantly sort of turning the soil, which is great unless you leave them somewhere for for too long, right? Then you get a moonscape. Same with chickens. Chickens are omnivorous little. Uh, uh, velociraptors, right? You don't leave chickens anywhere too long. So part of this pastured smart lard model is you have to raise a pig that is working with nature, right? And is not over overburdening uh, the, the land. And so you have to constantly move them around. And so it, it's an important part because it's at the foundation of, of, of our company, as well as a lot of other companies in sort of the regenerative ag space is, you know, not all, I, and I, again, I want your listeners to know this, not all lards are created equal. Um, not all tallows are created equal, but, but you get, you know, case you, you get some room, you get a little wiggle room with visceral fat versus subcutaneous fat, because it's not a preferential storage fat. If that, it, you know, again, that's a point I wanted to make. It's a beautiful point too. I'm glad you you made that one because I was I was thinking about you as a founder running a company like Pharaoh. Sourcing must be difficult, or to meet the standards that that you have, or maybe it's not as difficult as I perceive. I know there are a lot of farms doing this the right way, letting, letting the pigs express their pigness as, as Joel Salatin would say. And is, is it, what, what is it like? Uh, is it a challenging experience, especially as you, you've grown and, and, and scaled over, over time to find enough farmers doing, doing things this way? Well, much like our creams, I tell people, you know, a little goes a long way. Uh, I have been saving the fat from, from my animals. I, I've, I've farmed for about six years now. And so I've been, do we have time for another funny story? Absolutely. Okay, so I'm a new farmer, right? And I got a test batch of pigs and I got a test batch of chickens. And of course, the chickens are done in, you know, like the broiler birds. They're done in like eight weeks, right? And so, you know, I I got these chickens and I handed a chicken out to all these people. Here, try this chicken, try this chicken. Everybody, oh my gosh, this great chicken. Well, the, the pigs were another, you know, four or five months away. And so we we had launched our our little farm, I sort of ran it like a, a mobile CSA kind of buying club. Anyway, so a good buddy of mine, two, two friends of mine in Atlanta, you know, it was getting time to slaughter our first pig, you know. And I'm like, I put the feelers out. Who wants it? And they're like, we'll take, I'll take half and he'll take half. And so great. Okay. So I take this pig and I get it. You know, you, you know, you spend you spend six eight months raising this animal. Like you, I had a terrible, terrible experience with finding a, like a processor to that would treat my animal and butcher it with the respect that I raised it. Right. So actually, the first pig I took to a customer was not the first pig I slaughtered. That one was mine because they 
literally and figuratively butchered this this animal. So I found a butcher. Anyway, so I take these guys, you know, I take it to the butcher and, I'm, and they're like, well, all right, how do you want to cut up? And I'll tell them how I want to cut. Well, what do you want to do with the fat? Get, give me everything. I don't, we're not wasting anything, right? And so I take the pork chops, I take the belly, I take the hams, I take the sausage down to these guys in Atlanta, take the fat, everything, right? In about, uh, my, my good friend Luke, in about 10 days, my phone rings. He's like, hey man, the pork tastes great. This is unbelievable. What do I do with the fat? And I was like, oh, easy, man. Chop it up a little bit, render it in a slow cooker, cook with the, it's unbelievable. You, you, you know, next, next level type, like animal fats cook with. Oh, okay, cool. Thanks. About another week goes by my phone rings. Hey man, it's Luke. Um, can you just come get this fat? I'm not going to render it. Right. And so, so like right out of the gate, nobody wants the fat. And so I kept saving it and I've tinkered around. I've made some soaps. I mean, you, you know, Every damn thing on the planet was made with pig fat like 150 years ago. Like all the things, like all the salves, all the creams, all the soaps. It's 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 laughable. And so up to this point, actually, cases I'm talking to you. Um, so I all of the fat we have used up to this point has been mine uh, from animals I raised. Uh, just last weekend, I, I went and acquired some fat from a local farmer that I know, and, and I know their management practices. Everything everything aligns with animal husbandry and animal welfare, and you know, a, a, a humane slaughter, all all the things. And so, um, so yes, we're 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 venturing into acquiring fat from other places. I uh, candidly case. I can't wait for the day when it's harder and hard for me to acquire high quality animal fat that I need to to grow my business. I I I long for that day for a couple reasons. One being that more c- consumers recognize the value of these fats not only dietarily but also in skincare, right? And so Hallelujah to the day where I've got to raise more pigs or we've got to get more pastured pigs on, you know, on the land. Uh, I, I don't ever envision it being a problem from the tallow side of the of the camp. Uh, the lard is 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 going to be a bigger issue sooner. Hopefully, you know, hopefully we keep growing. But yeah, I, I right now we're good. Uh, testing the wheels now on on, on acquiring. In fact, I, I spent all day. Yesterday, rendering, uh, you know, we got the fat in and I wanted to go ahead and get it rendered. Here, here's the beauty of fat. It stores in a freezer or in, at, even at room temperature, but it stores in, in, a, in a temperature control environment for a long time, right? So, I mean, uh, it, Google this, right? Go, go look up antique lard cans, right? So, the turn of the century... You can, you can go find my cousin who's an antiquer. He collects them and turns them into like lamps and all sorts of stuff. So I want you to imagine a 50-pound drum, 10 drum, which, you know, would 50 pounds of lard, that would probably be, it'd be like a five-gallon bucket, maybe a little smaller, okay? They used to sell that as like, here's your cooking fat, right? Now, this is pre-refrigeration. This is pre-HVAC, like, 
you, I mean, you can go find these. Like we, our, our lives revolved around the lard tin because that we baked with it, we fried with it, we cooked with it. And, and you can bet your ass that, you know, mama and the kids were probably covered in it half the time. You know, the, if, if, <laughs> the skincare industry, this is a fun one. The skincare industry has really, was really born by the, the idea that men and women, okay, a, a larger majority of men and women, especially women, right, but men and women, someone else was doing the hunting, the killing, the skinning, and the evisceration. Okay. What am I saying there? What I'm saying is that unless you were at the elite of the elite of the elite 200 years ago, that every week or every month, the whole family had their hands elbow deep in subcutaneous animal fat because somebody went and killed the deer or slaughtered the hog or, you know, put the bison on the ground and somebody had to skin it. And then somebody had to turn that into, we had to cook it. We had to cure it. We had to do all these things. So as a species, the vast majority of us 200 years ago were intimately covered in, in animal fat all the time. Yeah, in, inside and out. You know, we were eating it mostly. That was making up the majority of our diet. And then it was it was on our skin as well. And, and a big part of the reason why we're suffering so many ill health consequences of shifting away from that is because we've become disconnected from it. And it's really amazing and powerful, the work that you are doing. And a big hallelujah, the, the Lord works in, in mysterious ways. I too am looking forward to the day where you'll be looking to source from other local farms that are doing things harmoniously, regeneratively, husbanding animals in a way that's, that's respectful and, and intentional, like white oak pastures, like you're doing on your own land, like, you, like your neighbor's doing that, that you're sourcing from. And I'm sure that day will come because it's such a powerful message that you're sharing, that you're spreading, and, and it's an amazing solution that you've got on hand for a lot of people who are suffering that could use this and, and resolve their suffering with this with this lard, with this smart lard that, that you've got. So I really appreciate the, the work that you're doing there and the time that you spent talking with me and, and sharing the message on, on this podcast. Enjoyed every minute of it. And before we go on, is, is there any sort of last parting message or word that, that you'd like, like to share? Well, Case, I, I want to thank you. I mean, I, I, you know, it's no small thing to, to, have a podcast and commit to doing it. And I know the amount of work that goes into what you do. And so I, I very much appreciate that. I, uh, so I want to thank you for that. And I, I have, you know, for any of your listeners that do want to head over to Pharaoh.life and, and, and take a stab at, at our products, I, I did put a, a discount code together for them for, for, for your podcast They just put in the term peak P E A K K. Uh, and they'll, it'll save them 15% off, uh, their purchase. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm into peak earth too. I, and I, I, I believe that, uh, that the pig is a, is a, is a cog in the wheel to us really, uh, uh, restoring humanity, restoring the soil, restoring our, our ecology. And I, I just, I, I really want to thank you for, for your time. Absolutely. And anytime. And thanks 
very much for that. Appreciate it greatly. And Charles Mayfield, thank you. Thank you, Case.